Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. The Lauren Agee case was hastily closed by authorities, but many questions remain. Come behind the curtain with private investigator Sheila Waisaki as she uncovers the truth about what happened to Lauren. This is Without Warning. Warning. The following episode contains details about sexual violence and elements that are graphic in nature. I just want to make sure all this stuff is figured out. It almost seems like I'm a suspect right now, you know, but I know you guys are just doing your job. When did you become incarcerated, approximately? July 2nd, 2016. Okay, so just over a year and a half, a year and a half ago, is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. 18 months. Um, now, I understand you're here on a criminal charge. Have you had previous criminal convictions prior to the one that landed you in jail? I have speeding tickets. Okay, what about DUIs? Um... Yes, but this is for my first DUI. So this is your sentence of service is for your first DUI? Yes. Have you had convictions for subsequent DUIs? Yes. Does that mean multiple? Yeah. Yes. And how many DUI convictions do you have? I have three. Do you remember the years of those convictions? Um, 2000, whenever this is, 2012. Um, and I don't remember the year of the second one. And my third one was... In 2016. Okay, were those all in the state of Tennessee? Yes. Okay. Were those convictions um, for driving under the influence of alcohol or of other substances? Alcohol. Were you ever, ever convicted for driving under the influence of a drug? No, I don't do drugs. Okay. Besides those DUI convictions, have you ever been arrested for anything else? Um, I got arrested for a capius when I was 18 because I missed a court date for a speeding ticket um, and driving on suspended. Okay. So those are your only other arrests? Um, that I can recall, yes. You ever been arrested for domestic violence? No. You ever been arrested for any assault offenses? Mm, the one now is vehicular assault. They counted as an assault. Anything else? No. Okay. Join us on Patreon if you want to look behind the curtain and see what really happens in investigations. This is Chris Stout. As you know, he was one of the three people that we know of who was with Lauren the evening she died. What you are listening to is Chris's deposition he gave about Lauren's case in January 2018. Now let's listen as he reads his written statement he gave the police the day they found Lauren's body. Do you recognize that as the written statement you gave to the Sheriff's Department the morning that Lauren's body was found? Yes. Is that your signature there, there at the bottom? Yes. Is that your statement there? Yes. Could you please read that statement to us? <laughs> Last night the girl came. You ready? Yeah, good. 
Last night, the girl came to our campsite for a few minutes, saying she was going back to her ex-boyfriend. Hung out very shortly, then I fell asleep and woke up, and she was gone. Talked to her ex this morning, and and he said she came back after we left and was trying to get with him the night after we seen her at the at camp he said she was trying to make out with him in front of his new girlfriend then he walked away now you'll hear an interview with chris stout and jeremy taylor days after lauren's death um i got there friday night and uh then they already had most of the camp set up and uh and we went, stayed up there Friday night. Uh, trying to think if Hannah and Lauren were there Friday night. They were there. They showed up later that night. Um, we were all, went and got them from the dock, came back, and we're all hanging out. Okay, did you hear what he just said? He doesn't remember when Hannah and Lauren showed up to Wakefest. Now listen to what he told the off-duty police officer, Ryan, on the boat when they found Lauren's body. So I said, how'd you get here? And he forgot he told me that earlier. And he's like, well, she brought us here. The girl that is, if that's our friend in the water, she's the one that took all of us here. I'm like, so if she would have left from earlier, like you said, she'd just leave you here? He's like, well, yeah, I guess. You know, I'm like, well, that'd be pretty shitty of her, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. You know, and he just, he just makes a lot of sense. But anyway. Came home Saturday, or came back to the dock Saturday, and then went back up to the camp for a little bit, and then we went down to the bar again, and we were all hanging out down there. And uh, then we... Everybody was drinking, and I lost everybody. So I went to where our canoe was that we had the that was our basically our taxi cab back and forth from the island, and uh, couldn't find nobody. I waited for a little bit, and uh, so I ended up uh, seeing a houseboat that we parked across from that actually let us get a slip, their slip, and that's where I parked my boat. Um, I was talking to them, and I went on their porch, their front porch or whatever, and I fell asleep. And then I woke up to Aaron and them waking me up, and then we all went to, uh, went and got in the canoe, went up back up to the island, and uh, we were all just up there hanging out. The houseboat that Chris passed out on belonged to a local family whose daughter and her fiancé were there that weekend. Listen to what they recall about Chris that night. We met them back at Guy who was asleep, like short. I don't know, I just want to call him that, but his name is Chris. Yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. The real short Mm-hmm. I mean, he was out of it. Like, he never woke. He never 
spoke. He never anything Saturday night. And they stayed there for about 30, 40, maybe an hour. I mean, we were there for a while. And then they, I want to say they took two trips because they had that one canoe mm-hmm. back over to the campground. Because the, the guys had to come back and carry uh, the Chris guy okay. back to the canoe to go over to the camping ground. Okay. wasn't very long though everybody was pretty drunk and uh that i remember so we went and went to sleep um walked up aaron and hannah were in one hammock and then i was in the other hammock and lauren came and laid down with me but i don't even remember her falling asleep or i fell asleep before her like she laid down and as soon as she laid down i was out and when I woke up Saturday morning, she was gone, but we had like a couple different hammocks. So I thought maybe she went into the side of the tent or to another hammock. And so I fell back asleep and woke back up again. And Hannah was like, where's Lauren? I was like, I don't know. I thought she was in there with you guys. And she was talking about her ex the night before. And she was worked up. She wanted to go back and see him, but he didn't want to see her. So we were like, that's not a good idea. You know, you shouldn't do that. So like, we were like, okay, well, um, let's make an agreement. Uh, if you just stay here tonight, then we'll take you to your ex in the morning. Cause we didn't want to have to canoe all the way back. And, uh, and we woke up, she was gone. And so we all freaked out, you know, it's really weird. And, uh, we were like, well, maybe somebody came and got her. Maybe her, her ex came and got her. Lauren's ex-boyfriend, Clint, keeps coming up in their stories, but the stories never seem to match up. Listen to what Chris says about him in his deposition. Now, a couple questions about that statement. In that statement, you said that Lauren told you that he was going, that she was going to um, go see her ex-boyfriend. Yes. Now, in your testimony just a few minutes ago, you said that you didn't have any conversation with her when you got to the top of the campsite. I wasn't talking to her personally. I know her and Hannah were talking about her ex-boyfriend. There was some, something that happened while I was away from the group. And, I mean, I didn't put myself in the middle of it. So, well, how did you hear about that conversation? I mean, they were just talking abroad about it. Uh, were they talking when they were at the campsite or were they talking earlier in the day? Um, from the bar to the campsite. Okay, and what did you recall hearing? I mean, that something about her ex uh, and his new girlfriend, and I don't know. I guess something went down between the two of them. So then go down between the two of them while they were at Wakefest? Not that I know of. Did you? About her, her and her ex-boyfriend. Yes. Not between her and Hannah. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Did anything come go? Anything that you know of happened between Laura and her ex-boyfriend at Wakefest? No, not that I know of. In the conversation that she had with Hannah, did she say that anything had gone down between her and her ex-boyfriend? I don't, I don't know. So when you put this written statement to police and it says um, that she said she was going to go see her ex-boyfriend, is that what you understood she was going to do that night? She said she wanted to. I don't know if she ever did. So I thought that was her intentions. Now let's go back to the interview with Jeremy Taylor and hear what he says about Clint to him. And uh, 
then we went down to the boat dock that uh, Sunday morning, and we pulled the boat up to the marina where the gas pump is, or right there, and we waited and waited and waited, and then we ended up seeing her eggs. And he said that he had seen her later that night, and she came back into the bar and was trying to make out with them and trying to get with them. is when he's seen her. So that's where we're like, okay, you know, she's somewhere. And then we all just went out, to, went out and uh, then around 4 o'clock is when we've seen all the, the boats come up. Do you think she went back after y'all went to the cliff? I have no idea. I fell asleep and I honestly don't know. Like, I met her Friday night. So um, I, I don't know, man. Like, my honest opinion is she got up to go to the bathroom or something and slipped. Because, I mean, you guys seen the campsite. It was, I mean, you had to watch where you stepped. And it was a little path. And that, I mean, I've been trying to think about it. And I don't know. Like, I literally don't know. I mean, another thing about it, it probably wasn't the safest spot to camp. It wasn't. But people do it all the time. Like, uh, one dude was saying these. I'd seen a couple people up there. And uh, Aaron did it two years ago. It's pretty cool, like for a campsite, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's I just, like the view. I'm not gonna sleep on a side of the cliff. I'm not. It was. It was like one of those bucket list things, man. Jeremy Taylor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It was a nice view from the top of the cliff. Don't forget, he is also the one Chris Yarchuk witnessed taking selfies on top of the cliff when they went to take photos at the campsite. You were intoxicated? Yes, sir. <laughs> I fell asleep on somebody's houseboat. And then got woke up, went, and then, uh, I mean, I knew I could function, but, I mean, I had been drinking. And then woke up, that's pretty much it. Like, I mean, that's when... You guys came up on the boats, and we talked to you. Have you talked to anybody else about this, I guess? Um, I've just talked to Aaron, but me and him are good buddies, and we talk all the time. So, And, I mean, we've just kind of been keeping each other updated on what's going on. I know our funeral's tomorrow. Are y'all going to that? Uh, yes, sir. I'm, I'm going to try my best to get off work and go. Hmm. Did he go to the funeral? You didn't go to Lauren's funeral, correct? No. Okay, why not? Because Aaron told us her mom would not allow us. Do you know if that's true? No. I didn't know her. How did you, when did you have that conversation with Aaron? Um, after the, after the event. But before you spoke to Jeremy Taylor? No, I don't think so. Yes. So there were at least a few times you spoke to Aaron between the time that you all left the lake and Jeremy Taylor showed up to talk to you. Uh, I'm sure. I mean, we're we're friends, so we talk all the time. But sure. Did you ever talk to Aaron about what to tell police? No. Did he ever tell you things not to tell police? No. Okay. 
Did Hannah ever tell you what to tell police? No. Hannah ever tell you what not to tell police? No. Do you know whether Jeremy Taylor and Aaron Lilly were friends? No. Did Aaron Lilly ever tell you that he knew Jeremy Taylor before this investigation? No. Do you know that to be true now? No. Okay. Do you recall telling the police that you worked for a, um, a job that required you to dispose of human body parts? Yes. Okay, what job was that? It was MedSafe. MedSafe? Hendersonville. Okay. And when did you have that job? Back in 2011 and 2012. Okay. Oh, did you hear that? He said he worked for a company that disposes of human body parts. Only he said he worked there in 2011 and 2012. But what he told Ryan on the boat the day Lauren's body was found was that he was currently working there. Listen to a completely different story he tells Jeremy Taylor about where he works. Where do you work? I work for a Kincaid Moving Company. How long do you work for? About six months. Like, I just want to make sure all this stuff is figured out. You know, it almost seems like I'm a suspect right now, you know, but I know you guys are just doing your job. Yeah, I mean, I'll say that everybody was with her. Mm-hmm. or had any contact with her as a suspect at, at some point until in, in anything it doesn't matter what it is even if it's an accidental and I know if there was a camera that showed what happened still be a suspect until we roll it out and that's, yeah. that's what I'm doing with you know talking with you and, uh, and I mean justice needs to be served like for I mean if I if I had a daughter and something happened I'd do everything I possibly could to have everything established and know exactly what happened. That's what we're trying to do. And it just takes a little time. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, there's a lot of people. It ain't just y'all three. Yeah. The media's got, is looking yeah. not so hot. The media's going to take it and they're going to turn it into a murder first thing. Mm-hmm. Or any questions that are asked, they're going to turn it into a murder. They're going to try to find something that's not right to make a story out of it. They're going to flip whatever anybody says and turn around. Because on there that says the sheriff's department said this, sheriff's department that, there's not one person at the sheriff's department has talked to the media. Yeah. None. And it, it's just not looking good. Like, literally, the only people who would know anything about it after we went up to the cliff is me, Hannah, and Aaron. And Hannah and Aaron were asleep. And as soon as I sat down in the hammock, I was pretty much asleep. So, like, I remember her laying down too. And then I was out. Like, and I just woke up. She was gone. Yeah. So, 
I mean, there's not much of a story to tell. Well, there is a story to tell, but like, it's just the media has it looking horrible. Yeah. And it's just not looking good in our favor, you know? Well, I mean, I, we don't, we're not saying that y'all done anything wrong. I, I think that, you know, I told Aaron and Hannah both, there, when somebody dies, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, you, yeah. as long as you're not the one contributing to the death, mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do. I mean, people die every day, and you can't stop death. You can't overcome death. It doesn't matter what you do. If it's your time, it's your time. It's over. What Jeremy Taylor just said sounds awfully familiar to you, it's because it is. He said almost the exact same thing about it being your time when he was interviewing Aaron. You heard that in a previous episode. Now you'll hear some more inconsistencies in Chris's conversation between him and Jeremy Taylor and Ryan Melanson. No, sir. My parents live in Clarksville. Okay. Where are you originally from? Clarksville. Okay. Yeah. You just never want to move back home? No. <laughs> now, I, uh, that ship has sailed. So I don't think I can live with my mom again. find it very interesting the differences in Chris's stories when he's talking with Jeremy Taylor versus when he's speaking to Ryan Melanson. Chris seems to be confused on what exactly took place on the Sunday of Wakefest and the days after. It's odd to me some of the details he's so easily forgotten, such as the one you're about to hear in his deposition. So from the time you spoke to law enforcement on the dock, where did you go after that? We packed up camp, and then when I got my truck, got the boat out, got everything, and then went back to went to the police department. And why did you go? Did they tell you to meet there? Um, that was to give all of our state or uh, give all of our statements or something, or maybe a follow up. I don't, I don't really recall. Okay. Um, when you got back in your car. <coughs> Um, did you have your cell phone with you? Uh, I believe so. Yes, I did. And you were able to charge it in your car? Yes. Um, you recall you made six phone calls for the same number. Do you remember who you called? No. Who would you have called at that time? Who was the person you would call when something important happens in your life? I couldn't tell you unless it was Aaron. Okay. Did you talk to Aaron in the, when you were driving home that night? I don't, not that I recall. Did you talk to Aaron while you were driving on the way to the police station? No. Did you have any conversation with Aaron or Hannah between the time y'all were at the dock with the police and the time you went to the police station? Well, we were packing up camp, but the police officers were with us the whole time. Okay. Um, after you left camp, 
did you talk to Aaron or Hannah before you got to the police station? Not really. I mean, we loaded the boat. That was it. Okay, when you loaded the boat, did you guys talk about Lauren's death? No. You did talk about the fact that the person you had just been with had died? I mean, I'm sure it was mentioned, but we didn't go over everything. Like, we didn't go through the whole day. Like, we just loaded the boat, and we all agreed that it was crazy, and it's a crazy situation. Did Hannah seem upset? Yeah. Everybody was upset. How did you know she was upset? She was crying. Was anybody else crying? She just lost her best friend. Was anybody else crying? Not that I can recall. Um, Do you recall this number? 615. Just put it in front of you. It's not an exhibit. Make it easier for you. The phone number 615. Mm, No. I don't don't recall it personally. I told you that you called that number six times as soon as you got back in your car. That refresh recollection as to who you spoke to? Um... No, I just don't recognize the number. I mean, I'm not okay. denying calling them, but I just don't know that number. I always just put people's numbers on my phone. Sure, and, and not, and now not knowing the number, but knowing you got back in your car and called someone repeatedly, do you remember who that is? No. Okay. Unless it was, I don't know. Unless what? I was going to say unless it was, like, a girl I was talking to or something, but I don't recall. Who were you talking to? What girl were you talking to at the time you went to Wakefest? I don't, I don't recall. I didn't have a girlfriend, but it's a, I don't know who I would call. Okay. Don't you think it's a little strange that he can't remember who he called six times after such an important moment in his life? Hmm. I wonder who he called. Now that we've heard Chris Stout's side of the story... Let's hear from witnesses that saw him throughout the weekend and specifically on Sunday. This is Chris Yarchuk, the off-duty White County police officer, who you've heard from several times throughout this podcast so far. One of Chris Yarchuk's fantastic skill sets is his observation skills. Even with the thousands of people there, he easily noticed Lauren and her friends. You saw Lauren, you said, several times that mm-hmm. night. Why did Lauren stand out, and how did you first come upon her? I was making my rounds, so I'd walk around the outside of the of Fish Lips. Um, and she saw me and just come running up and told me your name, and um, I'm going to school and, you know, in criminal justice, and I want to be a cop, and I want to be a lawyer, and just going on and on about all kinds of stuff, asked me a bunch of questions about being a police officer and if it's fun, what do you do? And I mean, obviously part of what I do private duty was how I came into contact with her. But Tell me what you thought of her, what your initial impression was. Uh, just life of the party, just outgoing. She acted like she didn't know a stranger, very bubbly, very personable, mm-hmm. uh, bright, excitable voice, just very intuitive. Um, not shy? No. No, not at all. So you see her, and she is outside of Fish Lips, and she's with Hannah and Aaron. Is that correct? Yeah, they they were three of them sitting in the plastic Adirondack chairs, um, Aaron and Hannah, and then there was a little German Shepherd, six-month-old-ish dog with them, and then uh, Lauren. 
Um, and I didn't even realize Christopher was with him until later on when he kept coming back over because I'd seen him throughout the night talking to two or three different women, sitting in the windowsill, his hand on one, trying to dance with another. And he's just roaming around the whole place, just being a 20-whatever-year-old guy, I guess. Did you have any initial impression of them? Just they're young? They're, did they stand out like Warren did? Um, only Chris did in my mind just because of the fact that he I saw him with multiple people, um, multiple women, and he's wandering around between different girls holding hands with this one, rubbing legs with that one, trying to dance with this other one. So to me, that I was just kind of like, well, it's a small place. Everybody's going to see what you're doing. I mean, you're not really doing yourself any favors, but... I saw Chris and Hannah and Aaron and uh, Lauren leave. Okay. It was Chris. I mean, that was the four of them left together. That's who I met that night. The four of them, little circle blonde boy, Bieber, Chris. Yeah. And the four of them left together. Hannah asked me for a cigarette. Lauren asked for a cigarette. I'm not a smoker. Um, and at that point, that's when I noticed that Lauren... Her behavior had changed from the consistent inner. I thought, well, I don't know if they've taken something. I don't know if they've snuck in drinks. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, obviously there's so many people, and I think I had six officers there at night, and I'm always just walking around checking all their posts if they need anything, need breaks, lunches. Um, there's a lot to keep an eye on. So the last time I saw her was 2 o'clock, and it was... 14 or 15 hours later when I saw her in the water. Him and um, Christopher both were in the canoe behind the houseboats in line of the body. So as soon as we went around the corner, they started screaming and paddling. To me, that was number one red flag. This is Harry, Indiana Elder. They were working Wakefest the weekend Lauren's body was found. You heard from Deanna in the last episode. Harry was one of the first ones on the scene after the fishermen reported Lauren's body. Traveling over there, you know, uh, Aaron was in a uh, canoe paddling over there, and he says to me that, you know, that could be one of our friends over there. And I think it's odd because we haven't publicly announced anything about a person that we We haven't... uh, said anything on the radio. No one knew at that time that there was anybody missing or that there was anything going on. That's one of the oddities of this. Two police officers, they heard it on their special police radio that was in their ear, and they came to me going, what's going on? And I went, well, Harry went to verify we think we have a body, but we're not sure. We've heard from Ryan Melanson throughout this episode. Ryan went with Harry from the marina shop to the site where Lauren's body was after the fisherman found her. When Chris and Aaron pulled up in their canoe, Ryan immediately brought them on the boat to question them and found their behavior very strange. While I'm sitting out there on the boat talking to these guys, they're stressed to the max. They keep saying, you know, did we do something wrong? Why are we still here? Can we go? Are we free to go? And I'm like, no, that's up to the cabs, County. I'm just sitting here babysitting you. And uh, one of them kept asking for water because his mouth was getting dry and his heart was pounding out of his chest. I mean, he was stressed. And he kept saying, you know, I, 
hope that's not her because, you know, my, my friend's been worried sick and she's been bawling her eyes out wearing where she's at. And, like, and she's so worried and stressed out. Why didn't you guys tell anybody? Why didn't you report it? You know, if she's missing, why didn't you say something? Well, I don't know. You know? It's like, okay. And the way this kid was talking, the one with the white hat, he was just guilty, man. I've been a police officer for a long time. This kid's guilty. They go up there, get her ID, come right down to the boat. And meanwhile, there's this other boy, uh, Aaron. He comes down to the boat from the campsite. He's already up at the campsite. No, this is the one that looks more like a skateboard pump. Yeah. Okay. So he comes down, gets on the boat, and he's immediately, he's, he's waiting out. He's like, what are, what are we doing here? Are we being held? He's like, are we being detained? I'm like, no, no, you're not being detained. You're just here. I said, I didn't tell you to get on the boat. This is their investigation. I don't know what's going on. So he sits down on the boat, and he's like, is that our friend in the water? I said, well, who's your friend? Well, I don't know. We just met her last night, but it's my, my uh, buddy's girlfriend's friend. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know. We're still trying to figure all this out. And he's like, well, we didn't do anything wrong, did we? I'm like, I don't know. Did you? He's just throwing all these questions at her. But he's extremely stressed out. He's training ways to detect a liar, I'm sure. He's, he's lying. Long story short is we're sitting there on this boat, this dude, and, and I've got a witness to this. The guy from the marina that's driving the boat that I'm on, he's sitting there watching this whole thing. This kid with the backwards cap on that's my main suspect because he's just really weird. He keeps asking if he's in trouble, wants to go home. I don't even know this girl. I just need to get out of here. You know, uh, he keeps eyeballing my gun. And I was looking at him like, dude, you got some kind of problem? He's like, well, you know, honestly, I'm just thinking how I can get your gun and get off this boat. Just blatantly tells me this. And this guy that's driving the boat from the marina can vouch for this, okay? He just, he wants my gun. I'm like, dude, are you serious? And he kind of brushes it off as a joke. And I'm like, you know, if you go for my gun, you're going to wind up in a hospital. That's how that's going to end for you. It's not going to end well. He's like, oh, man, I'm just messing with you. Well, like, over the next hour and a half, he says this about three or four times. So I start sliding down a little bit, you know, away from the dude because he's sitting over here. And he keeps just, as he's talking, he keeps looking at the gun. And he, he's just saying it. You know, I wonder how you take gun. What happened? You've been in a wreck because I wasn't hurt. In a motorcycle accident. He's like, you hurt? And I'm like, yeah, my knee's a little messed up. He's like, so what knee is it? What knee do I got to go for? Just messing around. But he's really thinking it, you know? You can tell by talking to the kid. But um, anyways, long story short, the sheriff's department get these two guys off the boat and interview them next. They didn't ask me any questions. They just took these guys, and I went back to my main focus at the marina. There is there's something I did forget to tell you. This is extremely important, too. These guys said that this girl stayed on a boat, a houseboat with a bunch of guys. They didn't know what houseboat. They didn't know who the guys were or anything. And that's the story they were sticking to while they were on the boat with me and this guy from the marina that was driving the boat. Well, when they got him back to the investigators and separated them and started questioning one at a time, the kid with the white hat totally changed his story. Me, he's thinking about all this. He's like, oh, no, autopsy. Okay, so, okay, yeah, now she did come up to the campsite, and I did have sex with her. But then I don't know what happened to her. I went to bed. She was gone. That's his story.
said, one of the, the TWRA guys said that when they asked this kid why he, uh, why he changed his story about her being on a houseboat and then she was at the campsite and he actually had sex with her that night, he said, because I didn't want anything to get pinned on me, he said, every time I have an encounter with law enforcement, I go to jail. Join us on Patreon if you want to look behind the curtain and see what really happens in investigations. Lauren's family gives their full permission for any and all details to be shared and hope that the truth will come out. If you know anything at all, call 1-888-599-0008 or email tips at sheilawysaki.com. Next time on Without Warning. When was the last time you saw Lauren? The last time I seen Lauren was whenever I was leaving that, whatever, that bar or whatever, I can't remember the name of it. Fish Lips? Yeah, Fish Lips, that's it, yeah. Whenever I was leaving there around... And they closed at 3, and I remember them saying, like, 45 minutes to 30 minutes for the closing. And we, my group that I was with, we all left. So it was about 2.15, 2.30, anywhere in that window. We were leaving, and that's when she was talking to Evan. And that's the last time that I've seen her. Without warning, host, executive director, and executive producer, Sheila Waisaki. Producers, Katie Zitzman and Aaron Parker. Editors, Katie Zitzman and Aaron Parker. Mixing and mastering by Resonate Recordings. Narrator, Tim Evans. Thank you for listening to Without Warning. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a quick review to help others discover it too. If you or someone you know knows something about this case or the people involved, you can submit tips by emailing tips at shilawaisaki.com.